as we come to the end of Hebrews chapter 6, it delights my heart to know that the words and promises of God are true. As we studied in the first part of chapter 6, a controversial passage where people say you can lose your salvation, the text is very clear. And I want people to understand, as I will reiterate this fact as we come to the end of this chapter, that if you could lose your salvation, you would. You would. They are those that have tasted, that have felt, that have grasped, but they are not indwelt with the Holy Spirit in a life-changing life in Jesus Christ. And we talked about this, and we talked about last week. But you, you be encouraged. Be encouraged because I believe in you, the remnant that is there. Yes, you are surrounded by trouble, but we expect greater things out of you because you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And they might be trials and tribulations. They may be people in that ear, yeah, yeah, but you are greater than that because of Christ. And I shared that with an encouragement as we come to the end of chapter 6. I have titled this sermon, Promise and Hope. A promise is a declaration of something that will happen. A declaration of something that will happen. I can assure you time and time again that people have broken their promises to me. How many times have we broken promises to children? And we often say that situations and circumstances alter things. We are flawed. We are people that maybe not intentionally we have broken promises. We'll tell people things that they want to hear. But I praise God that He does not tell me what I want to hear. He tells me what I need to hear. And He's faithful. The great Booker T. Washington wrote in his book, about a slave man that he had met from Virginia. That this man had made a contract with his master that said that he would, he would work to buy his freedom. And this is three years prior to the Emancipation Proclamation. But the contract with his master said this, that you can work wherever you want to and do whatever you want to, but you have to pay me the debt for your freedom. Was Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation? The debt was forgiven, and rightly so, that people would be forced under bondage. But the debt was forgiven by the government. And this man, this slave at this time, had moved to Ohio. But this slave that had moved to Ohio to work to buy his freedom walked back to Virginia and paid every dime he owed to that master. Because he made a promise. Whatever happened to a man's word being his word? Now I want to talk to you about promises. And I want to encourage you as we read these passages together, as you will see the writer of Hebrews encouraging you that you are built upon a foundation of Jesus Christ. And he who promised is faithful. Stand as we read the text. Hebrews chapter 6, we'll begin in verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I surely will bless you and will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end to every dispute. 
In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of His purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, He who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, no one which enters within the veil, now, and the one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has observed as, has entered as forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You may be seated. As we go back to the beginning of this text, the author of Hebrews talks about a promise to Abraham that would be introduced in Genesis 12, 3. And I want you to think about this. As this this illustration would hit home to the readers. You see, he made a promise to Abraham that he would multiply Abraham. And of course, in context of this scripture, as we read the Old Testament, it is applicable to the Israel. But I want you to also is to let you know that it is applicable to us. Because not only does Abraham's family, but Abraham's seed. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are descendants. We're the engrafted branches because of our Lord and Savior. Amen? You see, it's very clear that he wanted to ensure them that the same promise that God had made in the Old Testament, the many promises, over thousands of promises that you will find in Scripture, God has never lied. What he promised was truth. And he promised, I will multiply you. And, and here's the thing with Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm 51, and sometimes I don't even feel like going to the kitchen. <laughs> but Abraham got up, and he went. I want you to see something very clear in this scripture. Put, put the first part of the passage up right for me right there. Now, don't you look what it says. He says, I surely will bless you and multiply you. And so having patiently waited, I want you to listen. Patience, what a beautiful word. I've often heard as a, as a believer that that's something we shouldn't ask for because God will give us plenty of opportunities to be patient. But patience is just what we need. We need to get out of our mentality that God acts and reacts on our time. But Abraham patiently Waited. Yes, there would be a little advancement, but Abraham learned. You see, here's the thing. God works on a different time level than we do. We are a people that love instant gratification. Oh, you know it. You're the same way. How many times have you been in a restaurant and somebody got their food before you and you were there before them? They don't know what I'm talking about, do they, Joe? We got to have ours first. I was here before them. I deserve it. Because apart from Christ, we have a sense of entitlement. It's me first. I deserve this. But what he is telling them, the greatest thing about patience is an opportunity to see how God can be glorified and you can be benefited by his glory. By learning through waiting. I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to be quite honest with you. There are some things that I would have liked to rush God in. 
But rest assured, if I had, then I wouldn't receive what he had for me. And I would have not have learned perseverance. And I would have not have learned strength. Because God gives me what I need when I need it. You see, what the text says is, listen, having patiently awaited, or patiently waited, he obtained the promise. He got what God said. Now this is the scripture that should really bind us to learn here. This is something that should give you encouragement. Listen to what he says. For men swear by greater than themselves. And with them an oath is given as confirmation is an end to every dispute. But look what he says. In the same way God desiring even more to show heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his promise, interposed with an oath. Not only did he give us his oath, he gave us his word. And God cannot lie. You see that? People will let you down. I will let you down. There's been times, and you say, well, Chad, I try to be a man of my word all the time. There's been times when you said you would pray for somebody that you forgot. There's been times when you said you'd be somewhere at 5 o'clock and you didn't get there to 5.30. You were late! You broke your promise. And Chad, that seems mean. Listen, what you have to understand is God can't do that. Because if God does not keep his word in his oath, then God is a liar. God can't be a liar. He cannot be anything contrary to his nature. So what God has promised will come true. Now this is beautiful here because what he is encouraging them to do is hold to the promises because he that promised is faithful. Do you really believe that today? During the times that you need patience, it's a great opportunity to see God as who He says He is. Maybe you need to see that. I think some of the greatest times of learning for us, church, listen to me, and I'm talking to myself too, the greatest time to learn and draw closer to Christ is in trials and tribulation. All true passion for Christ is born out of anguish. If everything's going great, we tend to think we don't need him. Like the great Chinese missionary said when he got back. People said, what is one thing that you learned about the United States? He said, the attitude that they think they can do anything without God. Christ is faithful. And not only... Did he seal it with an oath? He sealed it with his word. Look at what the text says. For men swear by one greater than themselves. You know, I think about this a lot of times. How many of you have done this? I swear to God. I swear to God. People say that in front of me. I say, you better swear to somebody you know. God keeps his word. And here's the point that I want to make with this today. Listen to me. He says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23, hold unswervingly to the faith that you possess. Okay? What does unswervingly mean? It means keep that line straight. You see, it's just not believing when things are going good. 
Somebody asked me this week, is there sometimes when I wonder about God's sovereignty, not the least little bit, shall I not accept good and not adversity? God is faithful. And I will tell you this. I am glad that I serve a Lord that even me in my greatest day is flawed. You hear me? But God is unflawed. And he that promised me, listen, hold unswervingly to the faith that you possess. Hebrews 23. Memorize this verse. Hold unswervingly to the faith that you possess. Hold unswervingly. If you've ever saw the movie The Patriot, and he says, hold fast. Do not waver. Stand straight. Stand strong. That is what he is saying. If you really believe what you believe, then you stand unswervingly to the faith that you possess. Because he that promised is what? Faithful. God has never let me down. I guarantee you there's been times you have in your life, and I have in mine, that I've raised my finger up to God and said, where are you? You know you've done it. We've all done it. And we think it's God that has left us when in all actuality it's us who sucked in our own misery and looked to our own self for resolve that we will never find. I can promise you that, like I say many times, and you wonder why I'm so redundant with this, and I'm so con- I say it tremendously all the time, I do the blues clues to drive it home that he who saved you will sustain you. Because if he who saved you will not sustain you, then he ceases to be in God. And the Bible tells me that Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So if he forsakes me, then he has broke his promise. But God is not a liar. And look what he says. For men swear by one greater than themselves. With them an oath is given as confirmation is an end to every dispute. And in the same way, desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise, to show the heirs of the promise, to show you, you, the unchangeableness of His power. Let's talk about this for a few moments. A little history lesson going back for a few moments. As he's writing to these Hebrew believers, and there's those amongst the church that are yeah, yeah, remember how I said there's several groups here? You got the ones that are truly Hebrew believers. You got the ones that were Jews that are saying, you need to come back to this. And you got those that are indifferent or whatever. You, all, they, you find them in every church. Okay? There's the person you see, the person that people see, and the one that God sees. Okay? But he tells the 12 spies, there it is, go take it. Now, if you remember the story, and we shared this a little bit, God promised them a land of milk and honey. It's theirs for the taking. But only two people said it could be done, and that was Joshua and Caleb. Now, going back to the earlier text that we were studying Hebrews, remember? How we were saying that all these who were in the desert had tasted 
but they fell short because of the confidence was in themselves and not in God's promises to take the land. And then they wondered because they failed. They failed. God promised. But yet so many times we, we see the giants more than we see the one who created all things as greater than anything and obstacle that can be before us. And during the time of patience and tribulation is a time we don't need to be drawing from God, but drawing closer to Him because He's faithful. Look what it says. I love this text. He says, so that by two unchangeable things, some translations say immutable. Let me put it in Greenian. God don't lie. He don't change. In which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Take refuge. You see, the Bible tells me that Moses in Numbers 35 was commanded to build cities of refuge. That those who accidentally killed somebody could flee until they could go before council. I want you to listen to this. Not only was that city open for refuge that they could flee, but everybody was welcome. Don't you think about this. The cities of refuge where those could flee to find rest. Let me tell you what your refuge is. That refuge that he is talking about is the refuge of Jesus Christ. Have you taken refuge in him? You see, I want you to understand, we who have taken refuge, he's talking about believers here, that we have found rest in Jesus Christ. See, the past few days, well, probably for the past week, I have an Alexa. And usually I tell Alexa to play fan sounds so I can fall asleep. I leave a little noise. A little noise. But here lately I have fallen asleep to come thy fount of every blessing. And you say, well, what do you mean? I have fallen asleep to that song on repeat. And the verse says, here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I've come. And I pray by thy good measure to safely arrive at home. Now we've sung that song many times. And my, many of you may be sitting here today and saying, what in the world is an Ebenezer? You see, the Bible tells me that when the Philistines were defeated, Samuel erected a stone. God is my help. That through every trial and tribulation that I know that I have taken rescue, refuge in Jesus Christ for He is my help. And by His good measure and by His good work I am constantly reminded that one day I'm going home. You see, too many times, my friends, listen to me. 
We spend our days worried about the problems of tomorrow, struggling over the regrets of yesterday, and we have no day in which to be thankful. Is that you? Have you taken refuge in Christ? You see, as I would fall asleep to that, The same, the same song a few verses later. He would say, bind me like a fetter. What is a fetter? You see, fetters are chains used to shackle prisoners. That fetter that I bind myself is the unchanging hand of Jesus Christ that I am bound to him. And it's a song that I sing and I fell asleep to, reminding me that no matter what I go through, this is the time I see God glorified. And he uses me for his glory and for my benefit. So many times, brothers and sisters, we go into a situation, we're worried so much about the valley and we don't see the mountain ahead of us. Is that you? I pray that you take comfort in these words that he says, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge, we have sought refuge in Jesus Christ, have strong encouragement. Do you see that? Not encouragement, but strong encouragement. It's just like Colossians 3.16 when he says, let the words of Christ richly dwell within you. Not just dwell, but richly dwell. It means take up residence. Let that encouragement take up residence in your life. That he who promised is faithful. And he says strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Without Christ there is no hope. I was visiting someone at the hospital this week and after I left them, I went up to another room and visited somebody. And as the person got up and had been sitting with their son, he said, you know, I don't know how people make it without Jesus. That he's in a dire situation and seeing a lot going on. But he's holding swervingly to the faith because he knows he that promised is faithful. Persevere to the end. Look what he says. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible God to lie that we have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Now look, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. Now I don't know if any of you know about maritime activities, but an anchor is a very important piece of a ship. It holds it in place. It gives it stability when the winds come. I have to ask you, to where is your anchor cast? You see, the very interesting thing about this anchor is we're to be anchored to the person and the work of Christ. We're to be anchored on Him. It's like the song goes, somebody, sometimes people say, how you doing? Well, the ship's a little battered, but the anchor's still holding. I'm going to tell you what. If it wasn't for the anchor, we would drift endlessly. 
I often use this illustration, and I've shared it with you before, but I'll tell you again. I think it's a beautiful illustration of my fear and her fear. One day while we was in the Caribbean, a storm came up, and we had went to an island, and we had to be ferried. All of a sudden, they started evacuating the island because the weather got bad. Okay, now this is right before, about three months before we moved down here. And here we are on this boat, and they had tried to pull up beside the boat and disembark us, and they got the top level off. But they said, guys, we're pulling plank. We've got to head out to sea. The ship can't hold. And people go, how long? We're panicking. I've never been in the ocean with waves like that. And I've been in some rough waters, but I've never seen nothing like that myself. By no means. Not that I'm a mariner, but I'm a fisherman. And I've never seen nothing like this. Ocean Bay or whatever. And we're rolling back and forth. People are getting sick. And all of a sudden, every person on the top level has got a hold of me. I guess I was the biggest anchor point. <laughs> I'm getting choked, held on to, and you can hear the people behind us. People praying. And I was watching this mother and this girl crying profusely. Wanting to get off. And Tiffany, I'll tell you this. We actually got video of some of our side point. I said, ma'am, when they drop this plank, you go first. Now, I was trying to be the tough man. I'm scared. And as these waves were rolling, they finally broke, they finally pulled back up the ship after it had repositioned. They dropped the plank. We were able to get on the ship. The captain gets on the ship, says, there's a major storm coming. We out of here. And we were gone. Now, while I was on that boat drifting helplessly, I cried out to God. I said, God, I don't understand. You have called me down to pastor a church. And here I am going to go down between Miami and the Caribbean. I don't understand but I needed that as a constant reminder to show me that's what life is without faith. That you drift. You see, regardless if the waters are rough or whether they're calm, we still need that anchor. You need that anchor of Jesus Christ regardless of the circumstances. We have that anchor that is our hope. Both sure and steadfast. Do you know what that means? That goes back to the first part of this verse. It's sure, which means it's true. It's steadfast. It don't change because God can't lie. The one who enters within the veil. What is he talking about? Jesus. Remember? Our great high priest. Do you realize that when the veil was torn, it gave us access? You hear me? That's why I tell people, study the Old Testament. It's so beautiful. Look where we came from and look where we are. And where we came from still pointed to Jesus Christ. Amen? Which enters the veil, Jesus Christ, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. Let me explain that to you. Because of His work, we can go to God directly. 
And I know people got confused when I say this. You need a priest. You need the great high priest. Jesus Christ. Who went before us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This is so beautiful. There's that name again. Remember we run into it in Genesis? We run into it a little earlier? And what did I tell you? You see, all the priests come from Aaron. But his time ended. Men end. But Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek, which is unending and eternal forever. Jesus Christ was. He is. He will always be. He is unchanging. He is true. He is faithful. And we have that hope. And I pray you have it today. I want you to take courage. I've been talking with a lot of people this week. A lot of you going through a lot. Some of you ain't going through anything. But regardless of whether you're going through something or nothing, you still praise Jesus because He's your anchor. Because like I've said, you're either headed toward a furnace, you're going to be in one soon, or you're coming out of it. That is a mathematical fact. But I can tell you this. That same Christ has been there for me regardless of the good nor the bad. Because my hope and trust is in the one that's created the world, not the one that has messed it up. Amen? I want to close. Brother and sister in Christ, what keeps you from living to your fullest potential in Him? You see, I want to tell you, it's funny because, again, in my text, I have the word anchor circled. What keeps you from growing? What keeps you from maturing? Is your anchor fixed to the cross? Are you holding unswervingly to the faith that you possess because he that promised is faithful? Well, Chad, you have no clue what I'm going through. You're exactly right. I'm not a prophet nor the son of one. But I serve and love the great priest and prophet, Jesus Christ, who knows everything that you're going through. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell any of you at any given time that every trial or problem or situation that you're going to be in, are in, will be in, have been in, is going to have a resolve like you expect it. Guys, on a side note, that kind of messaging makes me mad. It does. Let's just be real here. I've met a lot of people that have given me a lot of false promises. You see, when God says that He cannot lie, He can't. But people who have said 
that you don't have to experience hardships or trials or tribulations and try to put God's stamp on it, they're liars. You said Jesus Himself said, in this life, you will have trouble. It's going to happen. A lot has been going through my mind. And I sit here and I think to myself, how many people woke up today knowing they were going to be in a car wreck? How many people woke up today knowing that they may fall out in the grocery store? They won't get out of bed. You see, we can't live our lives as the main character in a novel where the main character never dies. We must live our life clinging to the hope of Jesus Christ. That knowing whether I live or I die, He who has saved me will sustain me. One day, we're all going to leave this earth. I don't think there'll be any monuments built to my name. I don't think that history will record that I even existed. And to be quite honest with you, listen to me. For most people in the world, after a hundred years, nobody will know we exist. That's the reality. Well, Chad, you ending this on a terrible note. No, listen. Listen to me where I'm going with this. You see, the hope that I have is in Christ, not in men. See, if I seek hope in men, then I want the accolades from this world. You see where I'm going with this? I want the world to say, look what Chad did. But with my hope in Christ, I stand before the throne and he says, welcome home, thy good and faithful servant. I want every one of you to know this. Your hope in Christ will sustain you on this earth and when you leave this earth, he will walk with you into his presence. That the last breath I take, I will take with Jesus Christ. First breath I'll take with Christ. Do we all know that today? Do you have that assurance? If you don't have that insurance, you can know. You see, the Bible tells me that there's this big, powerful, awesome God who has created all things. Created you. Created this earth. But yet, because of our sinfulness, we have rebelled against God and incurred wrath. Because of our sinful behavior, we deserve to die. Do you realize that? And the wrath that God has reserved should be poured upon all of us. But yet God in His grace and mercy sent His Son Jesus Christ and that which we deserve, He poured upon Him and crushed Him. But the Bible tells me that that death could not keep Christ in the grave. And He rose up and that same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in alive. And all those who believe, 
You hold unswervingly to the faith that you have because he that promised is faithful. If you not, you come to Jesus. You place your faith and trust in him. You repent of your sins. He will give you a new nature. He will change you. And by being changed, he never promised you'd be healthy. He never promised you you'd be wealthy. And if people tell you that, you flee because they're heretics. But what he did promise is he would always walk with you. There is no greater peace, listen to me, than laying your head down at night knowing if it's tomorrow is your great getting up morning, you'll be in the presence of Christ. That's a peace. And that's a peace that only God can give. Because like the writer was saying, these people in the previous chapters are putting their hope in themselves and putting their hope in works. You put your hope in the finished work on the cross. And he who saved you will sustain you. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there are many of us that would love to share. We will love to share the gospel with you. If you're here today and you're a born-again believer and you're struggling, listen to me. Get on that path. I mean, so many Christians that are so defeated because the worries of the world have choked them down. You don't have to struggle, people. We're all going to have our moments of doubt, our moments of hurt, our moments of struggle. But that's not the nature that's in us. We can't stay that way because Christ is in us. And I pray that wherever you're going through in this day, in this time, that you get on your knees and you cry out to your Father. And you bury your nose in His Word. Everything that we need, He has given us. Do you use it? Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. This world might be getting a little tougher. And I'm going to be honest with you. People in our families are going to die. You're going to get sick. Things are going to happen. You're going to lose your job. There's going to be times where you feel it is crashing down on you. But let me tell you something. God is with you. We talked about this Wednesday. God has not forgotten you as we preached last Sunday as well. He has not forgotten you. And I used this illustration that I love to use, and I promise I'll hush. But I want you to listen to me. As Jesus is talking about the lilies of the field, one of my favorite illustrations in the world, he said they don't toil and they don't spin. And even Solomon in all his glory wasn't like one of those. You know how great you are? He knows every sparrow that falls. He knows your name. And I pray today that you hold unswervingly to that faith that you possess because he that promised is faithful. The, rough, the road might get a little rough. But I tell you right now, 
God will always give you sandals in the desert if you're faithful. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for everything that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for the good. We thank you for the bad. God, as we learned this morning in Sunday school that sin causes self-centeredness. Deceit. But Lord, You cause us to look at ourselves, And You cause us to lean on You. Lord, I am encouraged by Your Word. Lord, I know without a shadow of a doubt I believe Your promises. Because You haven't lied yet and You're not going to. As I was talking with somebody a little earlier, that during the procedure, somebody had given me false hope to try to make me comfortable. They tried to ease my tension for a few moments until the reality of the situation hit. And it was worse than what they said. They broke their promise to me. But God, Your Word is faithful in His promises. You never promised me a mountain full of candy. And you never promised me that everything would be a bed of roses. But what you did promise me is just like the lilies of the field, as beautiful they are and as magnificent as you have made them, I matter. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you for every person here today, Lord. I thank you for everybody that has walked in this building and everybody that will, or maybe, or have. Because God, some shape, form, or fashion, I pray that the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, takes up residence in their heart. And that, Lord, those who do not have a relationship with you are changed, they're drawn to you, they're converted. And Lord, there's no doubt in my mind, and I'm a walking testimony, that Lord, when you save somebody, you change somebody. And Lord, I pray today, if someone does not have that relationship with you, that they're saved before it's eternally too late. Those that are here today, Lord, that are struggling, that are walking, but they're limping. That God, I pray that you encourage them, even in the midst of anguish, that their compassion grows deeper for you. That Lord, you move them. And Lord, they would see that you're there. And they rest in the promise and the hope of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray today as we sing our last song, as we are dismissed today into this rainy day, that, Lord, we walk out those doors with a sense of urgency, that those that have the saving relationship with Jesus Christ would desire to share that with somebody else. Lord, ignite that fire and flame. And that, Lord, when people see Living Way, they don't talk about our building, they don't talk about the inside, they don't talk about our van, they don't talk about our programs. But, God, when they hear the name Living Way, they talk about a church that loves you and desires to see others saved. And, Lord, may you receive all the glory.
And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Stand and worship with us, please.